This year marks the 100th anniversary since the landmark publication On Growth and Form by Darcy Wentworth Thompson, which describes the mathematical patterns seen across the natural world, including in shells, seeds and bees. Now, a new study from the University of Cambridge has used the same ideas of self-organisation to give an elegantly simple solution to a problem that has taxed biologists for centuries. How do complex branching patterns arise in tissues such as the lungs, kidneys and pancreas? His lead researcher, Edouard Hanezo. We are a team of physicists and we've been working with uh, developmental biologists in order to understand how complex organs uh, are formed during development. And what we've found, both by using real organ reconstructions and mathematical modeling, is that there are incredibly simple rules, mathematical rules that are conserved among several organs that allow organs to self-organize in a fundamentally random manner, which means that organs don't follow a precise blueprint, but rather each cell making up an organ behaves in a very random manner and is able to communicate with its neighbors in a simple way in order to generate a mature organ. So in some sense, each cell is kind of doing its own thing and somehow all of the cells together give you your, your organ. Exactly. That, that's something that has been widely studied in physics uh, because, for instance, if you think about a tsunami wave, individual water molecules do not know that they're forming a tsunami wave that's moving cohesively. Each molecule just goes randomly around, and it's only if you put a lot of water molecules in a very specific way that you can form suddenly these self-reinforced structures that make up uh, tsunami waves. And this is an exactly similar example in biology in which in each cell behaves randomly, and it's through very simple interaction with the neighbors that they're able to self-organize into complex patterns. How do we end up with these incredibly complicated structures such as the lungs and the kidneys? So what we found is that even though uh, the global appearance of tissues such as kidneys and mammary gland is broadly similar, actually, if you look in the detail of it, it's almost exactly like snowflakes. No two organs can be superposed and it's exactly similar. And that's a signature of the fact that the un underlying mechanism is fundamentally random and that from random disorder, these cells are able to self-organize into something that is almost robust, but never exactly the same. A lung, roughly speaking, is about the same between most people. How do these cells, if it is as random as you're suggesting, how do they know to, to stop when they reach a certain size or actually to form a lung? That's the key rule that we've proposed in, uh, in this article. So what we think is that uh, cells proliferate, they grow uh, randomly in all directions, but then of course they need to know when to stop. You want your organs to have a given size and not too much less and not too much more. And so the rule that we've shown is that even though each cell explores completely randomly space and divides randomly, it's able to measure the local density. So if it arrives in a place that's a bit too crowded, it doesn't try to go away, it just stops and stops growing uh, forever. And therefore, with this density sensing of cells, the organ is able to know the regions which are already dense enough uh, shouldn't grow anymore, and the regions which are not dense enough and should grow additionally. And therefore, this is an intrinsic self-correcting tool that allows for a self-organization of organs and that allows uh, organs to robustly develop from random interactions between cells. So can we imagine for a second that we are one of these tissues growing? And can you sort of talk me through the process that that tissue would undergo and sort of how it develops into an organ? So you can imagine sort of a tree. One of these trees starts with a single bud, 
on top of a single trunk. But this bud is going to start growing. It's going to explore a random direction. And uh, rather frequently, these buds are going to divide and give rise to two buds, two branches, then four branches, then eight branches, exactly as you can imagine in a tree. And therefore, this alone would never stop. And it's only thanks to this uh, crowding-induced termination that uh, some of the tips turn off and stop growing, while other tips, which are uh, at the outer edge of the organ, have access to uh, low-density regions and continue growing. There's an actually pretty strong resemblance to what you can think about about a real tree, where you can imagine that the, the tips which have access to the sun would continue growing, whereas tips which are overshadowed would, would stop. And in terms of other applications of this kind of work, beyond just understanding how our tissues develop? Have you had given any thought to other ways this could be used? So one thing that we've started to look at in the paper is the question of uh, developmental disorders. In particular in kidney, there's quite a few conditions in which unfortunately kidneys stop growing before they're fully mature. And so patients end up with at birth with kidneys which are much smaller compared to normal. And therefore, we wonder if the fundamental randomness in organ development couldn't explain pathological cases such as these uh, developmental disorders. It just goes to show that sometimes the simplest solution can also be the correct one. Edouard Hanezo was speaking to me, Tom Crawford, and that work was published in the journal Cell.